You are now on Channel 3. Recorded live at the Azura Resort on the planet Sarah, which, let's be honest, has some pretty annoying local fauna. It's the RF Generation Nation podcast number 15. I'm your host, Jess. You can find me at rfgeneration.com as Slacker. And this is Adam. You guys know me as BigMan2K. Sorry for the delay in recordings. Somebody decided it was a perfect time to... Beat the original Legend of Zelda Second Quest without a sword, followed by finishing the first Final Fantasy with an exclusive party of white mages. But I have Dark Souls now, so I can finally play something to relax. Well, coming up we have our local site news. Uh, the tech world suffers an unfortunate loss of one of the brightest. Uh, we've got a bunch of game shoutouts, and of course our standard top five. Well, since our last podcast, we've had quite a bit of site news, actually. Poly3433 has finally brought back his installment of People of RF Generation by interviewing Single Banana. We had our most recent RF Gen Thanks, where we had almost 3,000 total submissions for the month of September at the site. Great job, everybody. Go us! And Shadow Kisaragi has been doing a Let's Watch blog on the Game Center CX series. Now, have you watched any of those yet? I, I like any retro game shows. I like retro game shows, and I like crazy Japanese TV, so this is a perfect, perfect fit for combination. me. Yeah. That's right. Uh, they're hilarious. I highly recommend it. I would love to just buy seasons of this kind of stuff. <laughs> And as always, you guys can catch these news stories and more at the homepage of rfgeneration.com. And in news that does not only touch the uh, lightly touch the gaming community, but the tech world at large, on Wednesday, October 5th, uh, Steve Jobs lost his longstanding battle with pancreatic cancer at 56. And for a lot of us, <laughs> a lot of us old-time collectors, that just feels way too soon. He really uh, didn't have a huge, I guess, initially, he really didn't have a huge impact on the gaming industry. I mean, he worked at Atari back in the 70s, him and Waz, and, uh, uh, you know, of course, you know, not I'm not trying to badmouth the dead, but there is, of course, the famous story about... Him and Waz and Breakout, and um, you know, I I've, I believe I've read or heard a story about um, Waz telling the story, and I know that I'm pretty sure that he said that um, after it happened, you know, he was pretty upset. Waz was, 
and but he knew that Jobs was just going to reinvest that money straight into Apple anyway. So, I mean, I, I think that's probably a time healing all wounds kind of situation. But, um, you know, he there was a um, another story that I've read here about that Nolan Bushnell told about uh, Jobs, and it said that uh, he was very bright, but he was a bit abrasive. But as part of a trying to make Atari basically a place for everybody to work. He said, you always have to figure out a way to make room for smart people. So we decided to have a night shift in engineering. And Steve Jobs was the only one on the night shift. <laughs> well, it's remarkable that uh, for being as outspoken of a personality he is, even his detractors generally had something good to say about him. And for as many people, uh, <laughs> especially readings, the comments on our sites, as, as a lot of critics as there are for, for Apple in general, um, there's still a lot of people that you know realize this is this is a significant loss. I mean, no matter how you felt about the man, he really did shape the face of the, the tech industry um, since you know <laughs> since the mid 70s. And a lot of people now genuinely consider the the iPad, the iPod, um, legitimate gaming devices, and that's just because of the mainstream push. The tech push that you know was largely uh, helmed by Steve Jobs, and it, there's there was always something coming around the bend from him. You, know, you never knew really know what to expect, uh, and it wasn't necessarily the the biggest you know something with the biggest uh, horsepower, but it was always something at least a little bit different, and. The one thing that I think we can tie Steve Jobs in with gaming, besides the uh, the Atari history and then you know the, the current Apple products that are also used for gaming devices, is that this is a this is a man who would invent something that suddenly the public needed, uh, especially in his uh, in the most recent years. You know, before Apple was around, no, yeah, you, know, you had probably Walkmans as the last big you know media device that that people cared about for portability. You know, you had CD players later, but it wasn't like a name brand Walkman. And then when he introduced iPad, suddenly that or iPod, everybody had to have one. That was like the thing. And he did the same thing with the iPad, where you know it's a device you didn't even know you needed to have until uh, you saw it, until you you experienced it. And you know, you could almost use that same excuse for gaming in general. I mean, <laughs> when you explain the concept of a video game to to somebody that it would be completely foreign to, which is really hard to find now. Now, you're staring at a screen. You're pressing buttons, and now you have a little virtual something in your hand that you're throwing at the screen. It doesn't, you know, we didn't even know we needed this stuff until, you know, somebody like a like a Steve Jobs or like a Peter Moore, some of these these uh, tech vets said, you know, I can I can create a market for this, and I can I can show people why that, that this would you know improve their lives or at least entertain them, and that was one of the things that even his detractors say, you know, the guy could always invent something to sell. And it was, it was remarkable how much he pushed the tech industry with that. Um, I was joking with a friend of mine that, uh, you know, if, if Macintosh hadn't really pushed the, uh, the user interface in some of the directions it did, which granted, you know, has plenty of detractors, but you know, we were joking that video games now might still be another variant of Zork <laughs> instead of, you know, some of the stuff we have now because of how much of the ease of use and the interface that, so many directions it could have gone. It's, you can't really even imagine how how otherwise. I mean, there's tons of people out there shaping the stuff along with Steve Jobs, but he's just such a name that at this early age that he's gone is just you know it, it's just kind of sad and a little hard to wrap our heads around. And granted, I mean, I wasn't even a glimmer in the eye of 
<laughs> whenever you know the the bulk of this innovation and create or when you know the you know the beginning of Apple in the mid seventies and all that fun stuff things were already taking shape by then but um he has in all the stories that i've i've seen you know as you know especially dealing with the early days of apple um him and waz waz is always the hardware guy that he's he you know he sees the things to be able to create but jobs you know he always had the vision to for the product that would be you know put out there i mean when when Woz created the Apple One, he created the computer that was his computer that worked the way that he wanted, and that's always the way that he had it designed. And then Jobs came in and said, "We can sell these," and Woz was like, "Okay, yeah, cool. I mean, that's great." But he just wanted to build what you know what would work for him, and Jobs knew how to market it, how to sell it, and how to innovate to make it profitable and make it make money. And I mean, even if you look at the um, you know some of these other stories that have come out where Steve Jobs had his name is either the writer or co-writer on 313 of Apple patents. I mean that's that's at least that that's at least 314 more than I have. I mean that is just well. I mean, it, granted, when you're a CEO and you have to, you know, we we all poke fun at the CEOs that they don't really have to do anything. But I mean, even then, where he's you know he could just run the company, he still has. These ideas where, I mean, the, the other, what was the other story that, uh, oh, it, there was another story, I think it was by, it was right after he resigned as CEO, I think it was uh, Eric Schmidt of uh, Google said that, it may have been Paige, either one, um, they got a call on a Sunday morning saying that the yellow gradient on the Google or the Chrome logo was not showing up properly on the iPhone. And some people take that for arrogance, but it, you know he he wanted to have it look exactly the way it's supposed to be, to the point where he's calling CEOs on a Sunday morning to say this doesn't look right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you wonder how many tech geniuses there are out there right now who have a who have a product that they've developed that could change the world, and they don't have a Steve Jobs backing them. To get it out there, to know how to market it, to know how to show people that there's a need for something they've never even heard of. It's all it's a matter of being at the right place at the right time, but it's also the right personality. If you have somebody who can really uh, develop the marketing for a product and push it, then that's going to make you know all of the difference in in being able to get that out there. And there's a lot of people who have some great ideas that unfortunately you know they're at a loss because they don't have somebody like Steve Jobs to sit there and go, you know, let me push this. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> yeah, the uh, for us to talk about this on on a game site uh, podcast just shows how much his influence has spread because there's all sorts of of different things that's going on in the tech industry that you know we don't tend to discuss on this podcast. But this was this was notable to us. It was something that, enough to say you know we should at least take a moment and and reflect on these accomplishments because there's not going to be another guy like Jobs you know anytime soon that's going to make the same kind of impact. That alone, I think, says something. If you look at, I mean, you know, you look at PC gaming, and you know, this is—it's kind of tied together. Mac gaming was never huge, but if you look at, you can kind of, um, you know, trace certain things back. I mean, you look at the original Halo, was supposed to be originally released for the Mac only. 
I mean, that was, you know, Bungie was a Mac developer. That's where the Marathon games came from. It's it's hard to, you know, kind of extrapolate some of this out or, you know, kind of guess this. Or it may be me just trying to give some extra credit where it may not necessarily be due or, you know, however you guys want to see it. But there's certain things that the intangibles of a person's actions, especially one of that kind of level, I mean, where you're just not going to necessarily see everywhere that he his touch reached no matter i mean you can even if you look at what he's done outside of apple with the acquisition of pixar mm-hmm. and it, when he yeah, a lot of people don't realize he was the guy that he, he pulled it away from lucas when it was you know just kind of like an interesting little in-house special effects thing and uh and made you know he's like this needs to be in the hands of disney which you know granted we we can be critical about that but that's that marketing, that money, that push is directly responsible for Pixar being able to produce what they've produ- what they've done. Yeah, I mean, at the end of it, he had a seven. He had over seven percent share of Disney. By the time it's all said and done, I mean, it sounds like we're you know we may it may sound like we're getting off topic or going off on just random tangents, but we kind of are because of that's just kind of the reach that he had and the the kind of imprint that he left on the entire tech industry. Yeah. Again, even if, um, even if you're not an Apple person and, and, uh, <laughs> again, judging from our, our site comments, a lot of us are not, you know, there, there's at least a respect for the impact that he's made and how he's, he's pushed, uh, the technology into so much more of a consumer market than a business market. And, and that crux, you know, how, how, how we know that the, there's such a person as Steve Jobs in the first place, you know, how significant that is compared to anyone else in the tech industry, you know, aside from the occasional like Bill Gates or someone that, you know, you, you're never going to hear about. And that's just that's it's such a it's such a significant thing also because it's a relatively young age. And so, you know, just it's it's kind of that reminder of all these visionaries, you know, they're not going to be around forever. And um, hopefully, you know, he's going to inspire the next guy that's going to come along and be able to change as much as he has well now that we've used up all of our uh, all of our news time as well as you know the rest of the podcast we're going to move on to uh something else that we're introducing here that i'm just going to coin while you were broke this is the notorious holiday season for gaming where all of these brilliant companies that have millions of dollars to market their video games, decide to all make them come out in two weeks. Or at least it seems that way. Every year, right at the holiday season, all these AAA titles all decide that we can't all play nice and stretch it out where, you know, the lean months of the summer, we could actually have something decent to play. No, no, we're going to crunch this in. And everyone's aware of Call of Duty, Battlefield, Batman, Skyrim. Uh, but this section, while you were broke, is going to highlight some of these interesting titles that will slip right by, be completely missed, and they're the kind of games that we think that uh, folks that visit RF Generation would at least have a passing interest in. So we wanted to, perhaps you could call this an early uh, game shout-out before they're actually out. Uh, first up is an interesting PSP title, and I'm <laughs> I like mentioning this stuff like this because with uh, the new Vita being announced, 
the PSP is really visibly on the wane, and the release list is is severely undercut, and yeah, it, it's getting phased out. So it seems like you always see some really interesting gems pop in right before the system goes under. PSP has always been one of those really interesting systems that it has a solid library, but you just don't see it just, you know, it, it's even had solid sales, but it just seems to be kind of a, a bizarro redheaded stepchild of the current gaming industry. And, uh, so it, it's got a, it's got some really bizarro release. You, you can, you can't, you can't throw a DS game at the PSP library and not hit a strat RPG, a, a Japanese uh, release that no one had ever heard of, and somehow it popped in here. You know, it just they've got some bizarro things that, that are out for the PSP, and that's it's. It, I think it's going to be a system more highly regarded, remembered, and collected for after the fact. Uh, you know, like a couple of years later, because it has such an eclectic library of things that no one's ever heard of and had small, limited releases. And I, so, with that in mind. Uh, those who are, who are familiar with the uh, the Japanese visual novel Fate Stay Night, uh, that itself spawned several other video games. Um, there's a RPG kind of dungeon crawler coming out for the PSP called uh, Fate Extra. It even has a limited edition that's coming out with a bunch of extras. It's a dungeon RPG adaptation of this adaptation of the series, and in Information on it's still a little bit scarce. There's a trailer up for it, but looks to be one of the last interesting things coming out for the PSP, Fate Extra. And for 360, uh, this one isn't quite as underground, but I know it's going to get lost in the shuffle, even if it's a decent game. Uh, Aliens, Colonial Marines. Uh, this one really interests me because as a fan of you know the movies, I always envisioned being able to to play through that kind of campaign with a bunch of friends together, you know, just getting picked off one by one, that those kind of tense. I mean, this is the original aliens practically invented the idea of a first person corridor shooter, you know, in, in terms of a movie. And I've always wanted to have that. The the PC games were, were excellent. The 360 PS3 recent release was not really that highly regarded, but it had a co-op mode you could use where you could just play as up to four Colonial Marines surviving a swarm of aliens, and we still play that. It's still a fun little mini mode in the game, and so this, it, it's, um, it looks like it has a lot of potential. I'm, I'm holding out hope. Uh, again, you know, it's not necessarily a completely underground release, but compared to all the other high-profile titles, you know, like Assassin's Creed, around right at the same time it's supposed to be released, it's going to get bulldozed over. Also for 360, Automedius Excellent, which also has a collector's edition, and if you can imagine a Classic Gradius-style shooter, uh, replacing all of the sprites with bizarro anime characters. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a cute up as they call it. Oh. And looks fantastic to me. <laughs> I'm pretty excited. Hey, I, I liked Death Smiles on 360. I have the faceplate and everything. Oh, no, I'm just owing the cute up portion. <laughs> it, it looks pretty <laughs> awesome to me. And... King of Fighters 13, when you have, oh, Blaze Blue, the new Street Fighter, the new Mortal Kombat, um, even another, yet again, Ultimate uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 3, it doesn't necessarily seem like it would register on a lot of radars. However, 
there is a reserve bonus if you get it at a certain retailer's where you get a four-disc soundtrack copy going through the entire lineage of the King of Fighters games. And uh, the game itself is only 50 bucks coming out. I mean, that's more than you normally pay for those kind of import soundtracks anyway. So uh, just for us collectors out there, reserving it is supposed to get you that four-disc soundtrack. And that alone is why I wanted to mention that, because you know, the game's going to come out. It's probably not going to be that big a deal compared to a lot of other fighters, but I just had to, had to bring that up. Now, now I missed out on King of Fighters 12. Am I going to be lost in the story if I pick up 13? Yes. But oh. then again, you would be lost if you started from the very first game, so you're really in the same boat as everybody okay. else who's ever tried to understand. So uh, for the Wii, we have, yes, because there are some of us that are still playing it, um, Rhythm Heaven is coming out for the Wii. Yes. It's, yeah, if you've never played Rhythm Heaven, check it out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> although you have to, you do truly, uh, unlike, say, Guitar Hero or even Rock Band, you do have to have a real sense of rhythm Yes, to yes, actually get anywhere in these games. I am not joking. You will swear that you're pressing this button in time, Yes, and you're, and you're not. It just requires a real sense of rhythm to play these games. I mean, I'm white, so I can't do it, but <laughs> I, I recommend <laughs> at least trying it out. They're great games. Rhythm Heaven was one of those weird ones on the DS where I... I, I'm I'm also white, but I seem to have at least a sense of being able to keep a beat. I won't say rhythm because that implies dancing, um, but I I can I can tend to keep a beat, and you have to be able to do that on this game. And even oh, if yeah. you can do that, you still have to be able to not They're, snap uh, the it's, system it's a great in half. Series. I mean, it's got it's a lot of quirky fun, very Japanese esque. Very Japanese, um, and I think but, that's um, one of the yeah, things I love about it. If you if you just can't hack it, pick up Elite Beat Agents for the DS. That's uh, <laughs> that's probably good as, as good as we can do. Yeah, it's an excellent game. You can you can get it for like five bucks. Uh, speaking of the DS, uh, Aliens Infestation is dropping real soon and i'm excited because it's by way forward who if you've ever played contra 4 on the ds you know these these guys know their stuff and uh it looks fantastic it's a it's a 2d contra-esque exploration game from the looks of it highly recommended um and then for all of you 3ds owners um all two of us all two of us on the cast um Tetris Axis is actually already out, and it is not receiving necessarily favorable reviews, but it's not because it's not a solid Tetris game. It's because they added, like, 20 modes, oh. and a lot of them are just... I mean, they, they even have an AR version of Tetris, where you can throw up Tetris on, like, your dog. What? And, and, and through the camera and play it. What? That's what I read. I don't own the copy. Oh. Just I'm, and... Um, it's got download play to other DSs if you only have one copy, so you can play multiplayer with everybody. Uh, the main Everybody reason why... Else has a 3DS around you. Well, so you and I could play, basically. <laughs> yeah. And it's gotten a lot of knocks on the review score. A, because, well, it's another version of Tetris, and right now, I've got Tetris the card game, for crying out loud. I don't even need a video game to play Tetris anymore. Um, seriously, the card game's great, actually. <laughs> but um, I think a lot of... Uh, from judging from the reviews I've read about it, one of the reasons why it's getting uh, knocked around review score-wise is uh, not just because, you know, 
you can play Tetris on anything now. Um, you could play Tetris DS on your 3DS, and the presentation and game modes on Tetris DS are some of the best. It's it's an excellent, probably a lot of people's favorite variant of Tetris right now. And Tetris X is just, you know, is very bare bones in terms of presentation. It doesn't have the cool Mario, Zelda, and Donkey Kong flying across the screen as you're, as you're making lines. So, um, But just an interesting pickup. I, I know I'm, I'm going to score it eventually. And uh, something that's not out yet until uh, November is Cave Story 3D. Yes. And if you've never picked up Cave Story, you can play it for free on PC. What's your problem? Um, and, of course, they have the uh, the uh, WiiWare release. And this is going to be Cave Story. It's going to have a traditional mode and a 3D mode. And so it might be one of the best ways to go through this. Have yet to know, but if you've never checked out Cave Story and you're a fan of retro gaming, do it. So that pretty much wraps up our first segment of While You Were Broke, games coming out by the end of the year that you may or may not have heard of and are not Call of Duty. So we're going to roll right into our game shoutouts. And we, uh, since it's been so long since we've recorded, I've got a nice little list here. And the first game shout-out I have is for a very quirky DS release that just came out. And I'm probably going to, to slaughter the actual title. Uh, Solito Robo, Red the Hunter. And it is an awesome action RPG, bizarre compilation of different little mini-games. Kind of one of those somewhat difficult-to-describe games. It's... It's been described as a spiritual successor to Tale Concerto, which itself was considered a spiritual successor to The Misadventures of Tron Bon. It switches between a, a 2D and a 3D art style. It has that exploration uh, action RPG element. You have kind of like this big cartoony mech suit that walks around and has different upgrades. Um, you can challenge people to air races. It has interesting like little mini puzzle games. It has one of those games that they just throw all sorts of stuff at the wall and and it works it clicks it has a a very nice anime art style it has a whimsical soundtrack which if you buy uh, its first release you get the soundtrack disc with it and nice. i yeah it, it's it's one of those games that because the DS is kind of wrapping up its lifespan much like we mentioned the PSP this is getting swept under the rug and you don't want to miss it if it's you know if, if any of that interests you because it's a very well produced, very well made game. It's it's all together as one word. Sola to Robo, Red the Hunter. And going along the the portable route, I am an odd addict for good video game pinball simulations. Mm. And the recent uh, Pinball Hall of Fame Williams collection on 360 just had me hooked. I, I was playing that for a while, but I finally beat the score table, the the, uh, the table goals and that kind of thing. I'm like, I'm fine, I'm good, we're moving on. And they just released this on the 3DS. <laughs> now it only has about half the tables as the the 360 and and uh, PS3 releases. Uh, so I don't get to play the awesome, awesome Medieval Madness in on my 3DS, but it does have several of the classics like Whirlwind and Taxi, uh, Space Shuttle, 
and the, the tables are in 3D, and the graphics are of a fairly good fidelity. You can make everything out on it, and you, know, you can change the camera angles. It, it looks really cool to see these these uh, tables in 3D represented like that. It still has the exact same mechanics, the same uh, table goals. It has the the pinball challenge where you're trying to make a score through, you know, a run through all of the tables. And uh, it was somewhat budget priced for a 3DS game. It, it, I, it, I have had a blast with it. In fact. I've had to kind of put it on the shelf because I was starting to take my 3DS with me everywhere and people were getting annoyed that I was just staring at this thing while I was talking to them. I think they didn't recognize what a 3DS was completely. But Also, even people who normally look for this kind of thing, I think this caught a lot of people off guard. The Complete Bit Trip Saga has been released for both the 3DS and the Wii. And if you consider yourself at all a retro gamer, even stretching back to the Atari days, you really should check this out. The soundtrack is completely in chip tunes. The graphics are a stylized, huge, blocky format. It has six different games, all of which feature varying like play styles and control methods and everything from, from block out to an inverse shooter. It's a fascinating, almost a fascinating study on game design, really. And they were originally released as separate titles for WiiWare. And the Wii version comes with a soundtrack. And it's a chiptune soundtrack. And it is an awesome chiptune soundtrack. And so, uh, yeah, it just it, the store that I bought it at got one copy. Oh. So grab this. Especially the Wii version has extra levels that, that were not in the download or even the 3DS version. So if you have a Wii... I, this you got to pick this up if you if you're a gamer from the back into the old Atari days. I, this is something that's so easy to appreciate what they were going for here. Uh, Bit Trip Saga Complete on 3DS and the Wii. Yeah, like I said, it's got a really slow, really small print run. So I just wanted to mention that. And I will go with one more um, as I've been playing Gears of War three. Ha 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 ha. On my big screen, um, my sister has taken the smaller TV I have under the big screen and gone through a classic Super Nintendo RPG by the name of Arcana. And I'd only tinkered around with it. I never actually sat down and went through it. And so I've been just kind of eyeing her game as I was playing Gears. And it's not really worthy to be listed in the upper echelon of, of Super Nintendo classics like, say, Chrono Trigger or Final Fantasy 2, 3, slash 6, but it has a, a certain kind of charm. It's designed sort of like a, I would almost call it like wizardry light. It doesn't have nearly the difficulty or the customization of, uh, of, of some of those dungeon crawlers of the era, but it's somewhat simplified, and yet it, it's got its own unique style, yeah, it has uh, first-person dungeon crawling, and all of the characters, all of the enemies, everything looks like they're on cards. It's just an interesting design that, uh, even predating uh, the Betten Kaitos series on GameCube, this one has just a, it's just part of the quirk of the game. It never really gives much explanation as to why that would be the case. It's just kind of a design stylization, but yeah, everything on it's represented as little cards, and. Like I said, it's not one that uh, you need to hunt down and find and play right now if you own a Super Nintendo, but it's a quirky game on this, uh, that is you just don't hear much about. In fact, uh, my poor sister was trying to find some hunt, some hints on the, the dungeons and the maps and that kind of thing, and 
unlike most Super Nintendo games on, say, GameFAQs and, and other places where you find lists and lists of people talking about it. Yeah, this hard, it didn't hardly have anything. It had, like, one FAQ. Wow. And that, that FAQ hardly was describing anything in detail. She got lost several times trying to use the FAQ <laughs> to get through the hmm. game. So it's, I think it's kind of fun sometimes when you see one of those that, one of those games that really went under the radar and even people on GameFAQs and such don't really have any clue about. And, uh, yeah, it, it makes it kind of uncharted territory to go through and explore, so... Yeah, just like I said, I mean, don't go out and, you know, spend 100 bucks on eBay on it, but it's an interesting game if you're in, in the mood for that sort of thing. So what have you been playing, Mr. Adam? Um, as of recently, I've mostly been playing uh, Star Fox 64 on the 3DS. Good luck. What a trip. I mean, it's, you, you keep, you know, we keep talking about all these different games that are showing off the 3D capability, but they're not annoying. And what a way to show it. I mean, the the Ocarina of Time graphics and landscape and everything is is absolutely beautiful. But you don't have the same sense of necessarily depth when you have things shooting at you. <laughs> and you... I mean, it's... You know, moving in a full 3D environment in 3D and... You know, flying around and destroying things and, you know, just, it's, it's, again, it's just a great example of the type of immersion you can get from 3D without it being annoying. <laughs> it's there, it's there for effect, it's not there to drive the game. I also did, uh, just download the Four Swords Adventures on my 3DS, which is ah, yes, yes. free for DSi and 3DS users, so, again, where are you? What's your excuse? Go get it. Um, Highly underrated title. Yeah, I, I really enjoy it. I mean, even as a single player, it, I mean, it's meant to be played as a four-person game. Um, it has a new campaign uh, that was just for this version, too, that you can even play um, that's more designed to play by yourself. Yeah, and that's uh, I'm actually working on that right now, and it's, it's not that bad to manage. Um, if right now, I, I'm not sure how it's going to change later or if it will change, but right now I've just got the two links to deal with. And it's the same kind of playback, but it's a, a lot of fun to play. Um, among And also, of course, the the 10 uh, NES games for the 3DS uh, also came out since I'm a 3DS ambassador. So again, if you haven't, if you haven't downloaded those and you are eligible for the program, they're out there and they are... Essentially, they're they're very good translations. They're very they they work very well. They also have if you just you know go to home and exit out and you choose a different game, it will resume where you left off. It basically puts the game in sleep mode. Which let me tell you makes getting through the second quest of Zelda without a sword a whole lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the last one, I really haven't had a chance to play any of these games yet. Um, but I'm getting sucked into the Humble Indie Bundles, and they've just started a new one. After the third one came out, um, I saw it. I saw all the games that it came with. They're all, of, you know, if, of as fans of the Humble Indie Bundle may already know, they are. They all are. Uh, they work natively on Windows, Mac OS X, and Linux. They're all DRM free. You pay what you want. Um, and your, you know, a portion of your 
donation can go well you know can go to charity you can choose what goes to who um and they're all drm free you can uh redeem the games on steam on direct to drive and Dashura, which is a new kind of a newer one i believe and it's Dashura is is um in beta for getting linux support which is nice there are currently three games in the the humble frozen synapse bundle they are Frozen Synapse, and then just added was Trauma and Space Chem. And like I said, I haven't, I haven't really, I've popped the bundle, but I haven't had a chance to sit down and play any of these yet. But they are, you know, currently, they they just added Space Chem within the past couple of days, and Trauma was added a few days ago. Um, right now, if you donate more than the average, which is currently four dollars and seventy seven cents for all three games, with Part of your donation going to developers, or part of your payment going to developers. Part of it goes to. Um, you can also put some of that toward the Child's Play Foundation. You can make it a tip to uh, the Humble Bundle Inc., which pays for all the bandwidth and the development of the promotions. And you can also part of that can go to the um, Electronic Freedom Foundation. And if you pay more than that average, you will also get the entire. Humble Frozen Bite bundle as well, which includes Trine, Shadowgrounds, Shadowground Survivor, a pre-order bonus for Splot, and a prototype bonus of a game called Jack Claw. Now, the the average is typically going to go up. You know, you get to support some indie developers, you get to support some a uh, couple of, of great charities, and you get some great games out of it that you can play on whatever platform you're on. And in honor of Mr. Jobs' recent passing, we're going to do a top five iOS apps we're still waiting on. Number five, Calibri 2, Revenge of the Killer Birds. Number four, iBlu-ray. Number three, Capcom's Super Hyper Checkers, Alpha EX Plus Arcade Edition. Number two, the Vetrex Complete Collection. And the number one iOS app we're still waiting on... Steel Battalion. We wanted, you know, this has been delayed so much this last episode that we wanted to just say that um, this is actually our first episode since our one-year anniversary, and we wanted to have an episode out for that, and of course that just didn't happen. So um, to celebrate as a kind of a late celebration, we are going to have another contest, and it's going to be a little bit, a uh, little bit more interesting this time. We are going to have a scavenger hunt on the site. Um, we're going to have clues on the site that are going to maybe refer to a, another game. They're going to maybe going to refer to back to our podcast. But, you know, we, we may have, we're going to give it, we're getting ready to give our first clue here, but our, you know, the next game may have a clue that just points to a game. It may point you back to another podcast episode for, you know, that gives you the game that you have to go look for. And it's going to be in the game trivia of these particular games. So basically what's going to happen is the first person that goes through uh, finds all the clues and emails or calls us uh, at, and we'll, we'll of course give you the phone number and email address at the end of the episode. The first person to get that gets a pretty nifty prize. We have, uh, uh, this is coming around right around the time when we were trying to get things together for our anniversary show. Um, but the first, as we said, the first person that gets us our list of clues, email back to us, or the 
answers to our clues that emailed back to us or uh, phoned in to us will get Humble Indie Bundle number three, as well as Humble Indie Bundle number two. So we, that includes Crayon Physics Deluxe, Cogs, VVVVVV, Hammer Fight, and Yet It Moves, and also Adam Zombie Smasher, Braid, Cortex Command, Machinarium, Osmos, and Revenge of the Titans, as well as all of the source code, soundtracks, some editors, all kinds of nifty stuff that goes along with that. So, Jess, do you want to give us the first clue? Number one. On our podcast number 14, which game did Slacker and his beloved play through to completion? And very happily so. Please send us your answer via email or through our phone number and list this as the answer to clue number one. What game did Slacker and his beloved play through to completion? And very happily so. And episode 14. We're not exactly sure how this is going to turn out, but we're going to give it a shot. So as always, just the... Here's a hint. The more people do this, the better prizes we'll have for the next one, too. (laughs) Eventually, we're just going to have to start giving away big screen TVs, and it's just going to be a big crazy mess. You might as well get in on the fun when it starts. So uh, be on the lookout for those. Well, I think that's just about going to wrap up episode 15 here. As always, you guys can comment in the forums, comment in the blog post, send us an email, or even call us. The email address is podcast at rfgeneration.com, or our phone number is area code 318-RFG-TIP-5. That's 318-734-8475. And as, uh, you can also chat with us in the IRC chat room. We're on QuakeNet in room RF generation. And as always, you can catch Mr. Bickman and myself, Slacker, on the forums at RF Generation. Send us a message. Keep those posts coming. And as always, God bless, game on, and keep it on Channel 3.